Jesus said to the disciples, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you, when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister is something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him, or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than from your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of unchastity causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you, not, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace in Jesus' name. Amen. What we have to acknowledge today as we dig into this scripture, Matthew 5, 21 to 37, that we are on a journey in the Sermon on the Mount that goes from Matthew 5 through Matthew chapter 7. It's a long teaching of Jesus, and we need to remember a couple weeks ago when Pastor Eliza preached on, Blessed are you, the sheer grace of being God's beloved ones. And last week, hearing the, the words, you are salt and you are light. But now we get to that part of uh, Sermon on the Mount where Jesus starts fine-tuning what it means to walk in the world as his people. Maybe you've done this, I'm sure you have. You've gotten into the driver's side of your car, you've reached down and you've popped the hood. And it comes ajar and you get out and then you feel under the front of your car, you know, looking for the latch. Now it might even be a vehicle that you've had for quite some time and you just can't get your hand on that thing right away, especially if it's cold weather or whatever's going on. But when you, you have it, you have it, right? And up comes the hood. I was thinking about Matthew chapter 5, Jesus 
kind of pops the hood right here in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, Jesus is going to get the, in there and, and work on the engine a little bit and try to get it, you know, fixed or whatever he's doing, right? You read this gospel lesson, we have to admit, we don't know what he's doing at first, right? There's a lot in it. Some of it doesn't necessarily fit with what we think or what we've experienced with life. And so if you heard the gospel today, you felt the tensions of your own life with the words of Jesus. But I want you to think about a smooth running engine today when we consider this gospel reading from Matthew 5. There's a story told by the late theologian Joseph Sittler. He died in the late 1980s. He was a Lutheran pastor and a distinguished professor. He taught at the University of Chicago and I think the Lutheran School of Theology in Chicago. And he told one story among many stories because of who he was, that kind of presence in the world. But one of them he told often about automotive repair. Now just think about this. He's a, he's a professor at the University of Chicago. If we took his class, we would work hard trying to keep up with him. But one of the most meaningful things he told was a story about automotive repair. And the story Sittler delightfully recalled a lesson he learned when he was traveling in the Middle East. His rental car broke down and an Israeli auto mechanic came to his aid to repair his car. The problem may have been the radiator or something around that, water pump or something on the rental car. And he turned the car over to this Israeli mechanic who went to work on the vehicle's problem. When Sittler returned to retrieve the car, it was running well, functioning as it should. And the mechanic declared the operation of the car with one Hebrew word, sadak. And from its biblical use, Sittler, now I wouldn't have picked this up, <laughs> right? But it's Joseph Sittler. He had a handle on his Hebrew. He heard the word sadak, which means righteous. But now the engine is running as it should. It is righteous. The car would run, run well, run as it was designed, sound great, run smoothly again. And Sittler taught about this as a theological lesson, that righteousness is not a quality human beings acquire on their own. Righteousness is a matter of everything just running with all its parts really well. And when you have something that's broken down and it's, it's fixed by somebody who knows how to fix it, doesn't it feel good? It's amazing, right? It's amazing when everything is running well. Well, Jesus is not talking about a vehicle, but he is talking about human life. He's talking about your my life and my life, but our life in community and our life in culture, our life in society. And when we see a smooth-running life, we know it. When we see somebody loving God and loving neighbor, honoring another person's journey and their life journey being honored, when different things like that are happening around us, sometimes we stop and we go, you know, there's just something right about this in this moment. Jesus teaches us like we heard in kids' time today about a better road invites us on the righteous road. And as Lutherans, we would often say, you know what? The law condemns. 
And when we heard Jesus speaking words about the law, you could hear some of them coming like maybe even out of the Ten Commandments or Jesus now saying in Matthew 5 that he is the fulfillment of the law, the embodiment of it. He's really getting there in there and fine-tuning things. Like in the first testament of the Bible, weren't there something like 612 or 613 laws? Impossible for them to keep. Some of them the strangest things in the world for our modern ears to hear. Go home and read the book of Leviticus and it'll be quite jarring, right? And then Jesus went from, they went, people of Israel, you know, they'd hold up all these laws, some of them that seemed to contradict life, some of them aligned with life in our modern ears, but then the Ten Commandments, you know. But here Jesus is talking about the embodiment of the law. The law does condemn. One thing we make clear here that roads always lead us back to the cross. It's one reason we come to worship so we can begin again. But Jesus is giving them something to think about, about their life when they follow him, that the law also is life. It helps the flourishing of life. I was wondering about this text with these words, and these words were told, said by a, a gentleman by the name of Ron Lucky. When he was thinking about these words that we hear today, he says the first reactions to Jesus' words in this text is to domesticate them into something we can live with instead of confronting our demonic human capacity to settle for less than the mad obedience that God requires. Think about mad obedience, that Jesus calls us to obedience. Now, Lutherans, we really don't talk about obedience much at all. We talk about faith formation. We talk about the Christian life. I remember when we started take, using the phrase faith formation, the older visitation pastor I was working with at the time, he said, Lauren, we really don't talk about faith formation. What are you talking about? We talk about the Christian life. We don't really talk about obedience, but Jesus does. Jesus talks about choosing us, saving us, and then we take the better road in the world because we've experienced and are experiencing the love of God in Christ and the struggling with it. And part of that struggle is allowing Jesus to pop our hood, <laughs> you know, and to get in there and to work on our engine, whatever it is, and it's always something, right? Whatever it is, and it's always something needing to be fixed, needing to be worked on so that we run well as a body of Christ or even bigger, a community, as we are salt and light in a community working well. It's hard to follow this rabbi a little bit, but we know something about trying to domesticate the scriptures, making them kind of more palatable for us. One time when I was a younger pastor, maybe a couple years out of the gate, we had a great snowstorm in uh, Minnesota on a Saturday, and I was expecting the bishop to come to our congregation the next day to preach. He called me on Saturday and he said, ah, I'm wondering about the weather, Lauren. And I'm like, hey, I can, I, it's no problem. You don't have to come. I'll pull that sermon out of the hopper. And he goes, you're a new pastor. What kind of hopper do you have? <laughs> you know? And the next morning, I lived out in the, where I like to live. I lived out, <laughs> right? And I lived in the woods in that case. And I got stuck on a country road coming into town. 
I made it there on time. He followed the snowplow up on the interstate and pulled right into town. But I did a baptism that day. And you know, I was trying to, as young in ministry, I was working hard trying to be extra connecting to the young family who was there for the baptism. I, was, I omitted some of the liturgy in the baptism. And you know, I was, you know, whatever I was doing, right? I was free-forming it, right? And he was so gracious. We had a great morning. And then at the end of the morning goes, Lauren, uh, he just curiously wondered why I left out the renunciations of the baptism. Well, they're just totally out of style. That's why we leave them out, right? If you're going to cut something out, let's cut out the hard part of the baptism, the part that doesn't sound good to the ears. Let's cut it out, right? This young family doesn't want to hear about that. The congregation doesn't want to hear about it. Let's take that part out of the liturgy because you know what? We've got to domesticate it. We've got to water it down in the name of grace. We've got to make everything less than God's call really is. Because we've got to make it palatable. And he just kind of looked at me puzzled, you know. And his puzzlement still has stayed with me. Because right now, I, I think I always since that time have used the renunciations. Do you remember them? We asked the whole congregation and the parents at the font, do you renounce the devil and all the forces that defy God? And they say, usually with eyes a little wider at that point, I renounce them. And then the next part, do you renounce the powers of this world that rebel against God? And they're still, usually we're looking kind of like, oh my gosh. And we say, I renounce them. And then a third question, can't you just leave it alone? Do you renounce the ways of sin that draw you from God? And at the baptismal font, and congregations do this, we say, I renounce them. And then we have the baptism. It's like we together all of a sudden say, what is the better road? And we're willing to enter into that struggle together. There's one thing about our gospel this morning is that it's coupled with Deuteronomy and with 1 Corinthians. And Deuteronomy says choose life and Corinthians says God gives growth. God gives the growth. And yet, in this rabbi Jesus who pops a hood, we do know that the law condemns, but he helps us remember his story of which he comes out of Israel, the Hebrew Scriptures, that the Torah gives life, the help with human flourishing, and that grace calls us to a holy life, a godly life, a Christian life, an obedient life, a life lived for others, a life that is very surprising at times where we give grace and we receive it. We love others in unexpected ways and we serve them. And even when we mess up, we know that the better road brings us back here to the cross and every day is a day to begin again walking the road that Jesus gives us to walk. Hard scriptures are kind of interesting. I don't like it when they come up in my daily devotionals. I make those really quite quicker days. But sometimes it's just good to know that God gets under the hood and works inside of us to help our lives to flourish. 
And he doesn't do, us, do it to us to condemn us. He wants us just to live as we're created to be to the fullest. And isn't it something when uh, that beautifully happens? I was talking to a friend of mine uh, recently, and there was another person uh, in the conversation, and when we were, we were alone, uh, I said to him, I didn't know that you knew her. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, I, kn- I know this person. And uh, 20 years ago, they didn't really get along that well. In fact, not good at all, actually. And I said, well, it looks like you're getting along good now. And he said to me, we worked it out. And it was clear that they had, right? Now they, in every respect, you could see that they were friends and people on the journey together. We just don't know how this works, right? But one thing we know, God gets inside of us and can create the flourishing of life in unexpected ways. As you look at the cross today and the songs we sing hold some of this, the hymns today, just know that God gets in there and invites us to walk the better road. And sometimes there's some struggle, important struggle, in what that means. Amen.